As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write this off. It's time for two stars. This is the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, grab an elate and lucky point at Birmingham. We get overexcited about Brandon Johnson. Look ahead to the upcoming visit of Stoke to the city ground. Shudder. And ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Two Stars. Welcome in then to our weekly Forest free-for-all. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by the Athletics Forest correspondent Paul Taylor. Good morning. Good morning. And of course, the American Dragon Nick Miller is with us too. (laughs) Hello. Good morning, Matt. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. We'll talk Wednesday night at St Andrews soon. But first of the earth-shattering news of the week, it's been all over everywhere. We ought to spend some time on it. Uh, Marlon (laughs) Harewood has moved next door to my dad. Uh, it's taken me a long time to process it to be honest but it does beg the question if you could choose one past or present Forest player to move next door to you who would it be what are you getting up to Nick I think we all know who your answer is going to be but if you could expand on it a little bit you would think that Chris Cohen would be my answer but I'm already slightly insecure that my partners uh, could could do much better as it is so you know you don't need Chris Cohen kind of you know shirtlessly watering the plants next next in the garden next door that's not going to do anything for you so i've got a few other suggestions i was th- tempted to say stuart pierce for electrical help um mm. but the uh the flagpole might cause issues re shadows on garden and you know ostentatious nationalism so m- maybe not him <laughs> gee mosey I think that would be he'd be a great choice because he just seems to, to me a lovely bloke. If he went went away for a few days and said, uh, "Gee, we're we're off to Long Standard Spice Museum. Would you mind feeding the cat?" <laughs> he'd say, "Sure, of course. Whatever you need, you get back, and the cat will be fed, the plants will be watered, and he'd have done the hoovering as well." And my my other one would be uh, John McGovern because I don't have kids, but if I did. Uh, and they were playing up at school or you know, misbehaving in some way, who better to sit them down and give them a talking to than John McGovern? You could sort of say, listen, little Trevor Francis Miller, he's won two European Cups, <laughs> listen to him. And then, for, uh, and then you know, uh, uh, for, for the rest of the time, if you're feeling a bit low, you could go around and ask him to tell you stories about coffee. 
Nice, I like that. Do you know, uh, John McGovern was the person who introduced me to Arctic Monkeys, um, which is an unusual sentence. But when we worked at Radio Nottingham together, his son was also in a Yorkshire band called Scrim at the time. And they used to uh, (laughs) knock about together. And he said, here, Matt, you might like these Arctic Monkeys. And he was right, (laughs) as he so often is. Uh, So there you go. Paul, who's moving in next door with you? Well, I've got a John McGovern story I have to tell first. And he would would be one of my choices as well. If only because I've witnessed his incredible prowess for killing wasps. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Even even more reason. The inner competitive nature came out in him like you've never seen. He actually gave it a scoreline. He was like, wasps won. They're going to nil. And then... then, all the way through, it was at a wedding, and he, 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 my missus had got stung by a wasp, and he took it upon himself to gain some kind of revenge as we sat around a table and just kept squashing wasps as they arrived, and, and was was actually enthralled by this whole battle that he was having with nature. It, it was outstanding. How many wasps were at this wedding? It, it, it was bizarre. It, it was like you know you have one of those days every year where there just seems to be wasps everywhere. The, right. the, 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 the poor lovely couple who are big forest fans, by the way, uh, Lindsay and Camel. I'll give them a mention. Uh, they. Uh, they they, they, they they picked the day of the wasp day and yeah there were wasps everywhere uh, it, but McGovern the McGovernator sorted it it was great <laughs> is he your pick then? he would have been one of my picks I was also going to say Eric Lehigh just because he'd be great for walking the dogs because he's a big mm. dog guy and mm. if mm. if you if you need a dog walking he'd, he'd help you out Guy Moosey would have been one of my shouts as well because he's just the loveliest man in football and you know you can imagine him coming around for a cup of tea in the morning and just being really nice company as much as anything else I was going to say Jamal Abdoon, just because if you live next door to him, you're going to have a right massive house, aren't you? You know, for 40 grand a week on a, a couple of years' contract at Forest, he's, he's going to have some dough in his pocket. And, you know, if you're next door to him, you ain't living on a shabby street, you know, on the wrong side of the tracks, are you? So, yeah, they, they, they'd be my choices. Very good. Uh, I pick Mark Crosley because I think it, it, I think he'd be neighbourly as well. I think if you needed some sugar, he'd lend it you happily. But I also <laughs> think you, you'd get the odd knock on the door. Fancy a pint? Yeah, all right. Yeah, I do, actually. But similarly, he's big into his walking these days, isn't it? So if you, if you did want to stretch your legs and do something a bit healthy, maybe stop off at a country pub afterwards, um, Norman would be, would be bang up for that. Uh, anyway, we've we, we've procrastinated long enough. We, we've put it off long enough. Uh, that was fun. That is not the word that you would dis- use to describe what <laughs> happened on Wednesday night at St Andrews. We'll look back on that game after this. And Lewis Graben, the substitute for Nottingham Forest, to snatch an equaliser, and he's done it. Cool as you like from Graben. And Forrest surely have a point. I'm not sure if they deserve it, but either way, Graben has scored it. A Birmingham City won Forest one on Wednesday night, then Lewis Graben's penalty equaliser timed at 90 plus eight minutes. It was only for his second shot on target of the night. This after Birmingham took the lead shortly after the restart through Mark Roberts. Uh, Paul, you were there, a point closer to safety, if not quite guaranteeing it, but my goodness me, what a dreadful game of football. It was certainly the worst 
45 minutes of football I've seen in a long time in the first half. It was terrible. It had literally no redeeming features. The the the, the most entertaining incident in the first half was, was Lee Bowyer engaging his inner angry kebab shop customer at 2am in the morning <laughs> by literally screaming two inches away from the fourth official's face when a, a decision didn't go his way. That, that, that was about as exciting as it got. And Ryan Yates, bless him. You know, I love Ryan Yates, but he had his customary missed header as well. Uh, hit the bar with a header. So it, it felt like one tradition was maintained at least, but goodness it was a terrible pitch it was a terrible game it was a terrible performance what a dreadful evening it was just the most <laughs> end of season fair ever when i got in at midnight and, and this is just story i was going to tell you earlier i got in at midnight and my dog gave me that look that said i need to go outside mate so i let him outside and for the next three hours i spent letting him in and out of the house <laughs> so that he could go and have a series of ill dog shits in the garden and <laughs> And that was less shit than the performance I witnessed a few hours before. Staying up until 3am, letting my dog go and be ill in the garden was, was better than watching that first half. It was awful. See, I thought we struggled to get much colour around this game, but um, <laughs> we've certainly done it there. Uh, Nick, I was, was interested as ever when Paul tweets the team out to read the replies underneath. Luke Taylor, Lyle Taylor and Luke Freeman both came into the starting eleven. Um Lyle Taylor, I think it's fair to say, didn't grab his chance with, with both hands or feet. Luke Freeman was a weird one, though. Surely he's not going to be here next season. It seems strange to select him. It does seem pointless. I mean, he, the, T- Taylor, obviously, you know, you can understand he's going he's, he's gonna to be here next season. Might as well give him uh, a bit of a run out just to, I don't know, just to keep him sweet, if, if nothing else. But... You, you, you almost. I almost got slightly worried when, um, when he was in. Saw that Luke Freeman was in the team sheet. I was thinking, <laughs> I mean, Jesus, does this mean they want to sign him for next season? Is this, uh, <laughs> is this some kind of elaborate buttering up plan? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I. I uh, we probably talk too much on on this podcast about kind of the reactions of people on Twitter, but on this on this occasion, I was um, very much on the side of the um, the angry angry people of the internet that uh, were completely baffled by um, the decision to put Freeman in for I don't know no real purpose. I don't think. Uh, I mean, Paul, could you see any sort of um, I don't know logic behind picking him? To some degree, and it, it doesn't reflect well on Anthony Knockhart because Anthony Knockhart was very, very poor at the weekend. And I, I think that left Hewton with a decision of then thinking, well, I've got to leave him out because he was terrible. And then where do you go? Because you, you had Sammy Amiobi injured, Joe Lolly injured, Alex Mighton's already playing. If it had been me, I'd have thought about playing Taylor in the three and then having Graben or Murray up front still because Taylor's done that before. It would have been a way of getting him into the side. He, he played it on the right-hand side for Charlton a few times, I believe, and did okay there. So... That would have been an option for me. He kind of explained it after the game. We asked him about his team selection and he said that, that Luke Freeman had trained well and he wanted to give him an opportunity, which, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a manager cliche, but you know, there's a bit of logic there. Uh, but having defended the decision for the last minute, I, I, I agree with you, Nick. It was a bit... <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't have done it myself. I, I feel a bit sorry for Luke Freeman. I, I, I remain convinced that there's a player in there He's never shown it very often at Forest at all. I'm not saying anything other than the fact his, his loan spell has been disappointing. He, he's been injured. That's really impacted on him. He's never looked sharp. He's never looked properly fit. But when he signed, he, he was one of those players that always played well against Forest. Whenever he turned up in an opposition shirt, he always looked good. And you thought, great, what a good signing. And it's it's so disappointing for him as well, as much as anybody, that it hasn't turned out that way. I'm not for a minute saying he's been good. He hasn't. He's been a disappointment. But that's a disappointment. 
Yeah, I've finished that rumble now. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple more things before we move on from, from this very forgettable game. Paul, you, you wrote about <laughs> Chris Hewton and, and how he behaves on, on the touchline. Before we get to that, I, I wanted to give a mention for the stadium announcer at Birmingham. Firstly, having the stoppage time and substitution sponsored is a new thing. Um, I'm not sure I've noticed that before. And also, he really made life difficult for himself when Cafu came on, when he insisted on saying, coming on for Nottingham Forest, Carlos Miguel Ribeiro Diaz. Just just call him Cafu. Much easier. Um, anyway, Chris Hume, what's he like on the touchline? I imagine he was kind of overshadowed by the by his opposite number, who's um, who's a feisty chap, isn't he, Lee Bowie? Look, full, full disclosure, we'd, 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 we'd kind of planned that piece before the game. And it was like, well, how can we do something a little bit different at a time when Forest have quite frankly, been a little bit dull. It's the end of the season. There's a few games left, not a lot to play for. And as the first half unfolded, you thought, well, I've kind of done the right thing here because it's a bit of an interesting twist on a, a game that, frankly, is dull as anything. Uh, but but watching him, it, it was it was quite interesting. You know, it, it, I didn't realise until I'd watched him quite so intently what what a busy figure he is. He doesn't shut up. He keep, he's going in, he's giving instructions. Uh I don't know if that was a reflection of the performance. You know, generally I'd got the impression in previous games that he was quite an active manager on the touchline. But last night was just, I guess he was full on because he was trying to, you know, polish that turd a little bit. But uh, it, it was interesting watching him. Uh, I hope people don't think it was any near way a, a piece that was designed to gloss over the uh, uh, how bad the performance was. I hope that came through in the piece because it, it, it was a bad performance and nobody's denying that. But it, it was quite interesting watching him. As you say, Boyer did seem to spend a suspicious amount of time edging ever closer to the fourth official and was kind of haranguing him quite a lot in the age-old sort of Warnock fashion of, of encouraging them to make the right decisions, which backfired on him in injury time when uh, when Forrest got that late, late penalty that earned them a point that was uh, slightly less than deserved, but very much appreciated. Much appreciated, Nick. And, and although we, we are lambasting the game for its lack of quality, that might be it now, mightn't it? Survival sorted. I, I was As the game was going on, I was thinking, this is getting eerily like last season where we keep saying we just need a couple more points and then we've achieved our ambition and then we kept not getting them and then we know what happened. This, this should be that now, shouldn't it? It should be safe for another season. Yeah, I mean, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I thought I, I uh, and, you know, enormously tempting fate I thought Forrest could have lost the last uh, five six games and still stayed up um, simply because they had enough points uh, and Rotherham have got this sort of ludicrous uh, schedule where they're sort of it, it looks pretty good for Rotherham when you just look at the table you know they're, they're what are they four points behind Derby have they got two games in hand now or is it just one yeah. now um, so you know, in, in theory, that looks that looks pretty good for them. But their, their, their schedule is just has just been so punishing that they haven't been able to win those games, which is um, you know is obviously good for Forest, but uh, I don't know, a shame for uh, decency and uh, good character everywhere. Now that the, the it's going to keep Derby up as well, probably. We're going to talk about how we feel about the potential of, of Derby being relegated next week. Uh, well, Forrest are back in action this coming weekend. We'll look ahead to that game later. Next, though, all aboard the Brennan Johnston hype train. This is Brennan. All his own work, and he's found the finish coolly into the corner as well to make it 3-0. Brennan Johnston. Uh, Brennan Johnson, you know the fella. Dad played for Forrest, named after our old Canadian left-back, currently tearing up on loan at Lincoln. Uh, well, Paul has teamed up with the Athletics' Mark Kerry to profile Brennan for the Athletic, athletic.com slash forestpod to sign up and read it if you aren't yet 
a subscriber. Uh, Paul, he's been he's been in League One this season, as we know, and doing very well. And, and there's a comparison there with Deli Ali, who of course made his name with MK Dons in that division. Yeah, he, he, he's he's his stats at 19 at a similar level, uh, a, a very actually a little bit better than Deli Ali's if you're looking at minutes uh, per goal contribution, whether that be a goal or assist. Uh, he, he's, he's absolutely torn it up with Lincoln this season. It was quite funny. I was tweeting during the game or tweeting after the game at Burton and there's a few uh, a few Lincoln fans were coming on to it, echoing Forest fans' views on James Garner by telling me how terrible Brennan Johnson had been and, you know, that they should... Forrest should very definitely let Lincoln have him again next season. So that all felt a bit familiar. Just, just going and watching him, you could see he was... There were a few players that stood out, and he was definitely one of them. He is a class above at that level. He's just got a really nice touch. He's got a bit of pace when he stands on the last man. He always looks a threat when he gets on the ball. He was all the things that, that Forrest had been missing this season. He has creativity, dynamism, urgency. I think I said afterwards, had he still been at Forrest now, I'd have had him in the team last night, just in that three, because... He looks like he's learned so much from his time at Lincoln. By the time he comes back to Forest, he'll probably have played almost 50 games. And as we saw with, with Joe Worrell and Matty Cash, Ryan Yates, loan spells can be invaluable. Just going to a lower level and, and, and learning your trade. I hate the cliche, but playing in a man's game when it's tough and physical and you have to really you know, show your strength mentally and physically, I, I think that makes a real difference to a, a young player's learning curve. And hopefully you can follow the same path and, and come back next season and, and really show what he can do at the city ground because he, he feels like a player that's got bags and bags of potential. There's no guarantee he's going to make the step up seamlessly, but you'd like to think that he that he can do and he can solve one of the problems or help to solve one of the problems that has overshadowed Forrest entire season. Nick, here's a, a slightly controversial question, perhaps. Is it a benefit or a negative to Forrest that Brennan's dad is David Johnson, somebody who currently works in football, knows how it works and, and clearly, although he's an ex-Forest player, his interests are for uh, the best thing for his son rather than the best thing for Nottingham Forest. It, do you see where I'm coming from with that? Yeah, so what you're saying is we should we have to alienate Brennan Johnson from his dad. Is that is it, this, this is this is, this is the tactic we're going to Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, short uh, ripping families apart just to see what I mean. You you, you 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 know you probably do have a um, have a point there. It is slightly unfortunate that he isn't someone like um, who who is just sort of happy to sit back and let someone else uh, handle his his son's affairs. I mean. It, Paul will know this better than me, but um, David Johnson doesn't seem to be to have a, a massively high opinion of Forrest at the moment. So um, if he is looking for the best for his son, then you know, cold logic suggests he should will be trying to get his son a, a move away from Forrest as soon as possible. The the, the benefit, I suppose, is that um, it, 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 you know, objectively it would be more sensible for um, for Brennan to play at least a season at championship level before he kind of goes up to um a, a bigger you know premier league team whether that is you know <laughs> whether he is sold to a premier league team and loaned back down that might that might be one of the things but logically speaking you would think that um it would be sensible for uh, Brennan to have a, a season at least a season with a, a championship club possibly a championship club that plays in red and you know, has a lovely <laughs> riverside ground that kind of thing but yeah, it, it is. It is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that he is eye this eye-catchingly good, uh, and also unfortunate that he has a, uh, a savvy dad who's guiding his career and um, 
may well be <laughs> may well be guiding it in a slightly higher direction than Nottingham Forest. I think there's two things to say about DJ. One is that he is clearly somebody who's not shy of voicing a strong opinion about Forest, and I, I think that is motivated still by the fact that he does. Uh, still have a fondness for the club and he wants to see it do well. I, I think he voices these criticisms because he wants to see the club moving in the right direction and doing the right things and addressing the errors of the past, if you like. But I also think he's very open-minded about Brennan's future and I don't get the feeling that he'd be in a rush to necessarily push Brennan out of the exit at the city ground. I don't think he's kicking and screaming trying to get him a move elsewhere. I think uh, if a good contract was offered... Uh, he, he, they'd be happy to sign it. I, th- I think the end game, very obviously, is to get him playing in the Premier League. That That's where they feel he belongs. But I think there's an understanding there that having spent a season in League One and learned a great deal from that, the next step is for him to show that he can play at, at championship level. And there's no reason why that can't be at Forest. And if he has a good season at Forest next season, the options are only going to get bigger and possibly better. There are Premier League clubs looking at him. We know Burnley are one of them. Uh, I know there's at least two others as well. There's clubs from abroad in Belgium looking at him. Uh, Brentford are interested. If if they happen to go up, that could be an option. But I don't think that there's any great urgency to get him out of the exit. I think he just wants the best for his son. Uh, But I don't necessarily think that means getting him out of Forest straight away. And the, the cold hard truth is that Forest have a valuation on Brennan. They they see him as being a player with huge potential and he has he has still got two years left on his contract, which is kind of a, a midway balancing act because if you get too far into next season, that starts to erode his value a little bit. But there is still some security there. And at the end of the day, somebody's going to have to come up with the kind of money that makes Forrest want to do business. It's not like they can just say, right, Brennan's leaving. It's got to be somebody comes up with money that makes Forrest go, yeah, okay, we'll sit around a table and talk about selling him. And I think that figure would be quite high. The suggestion that we've heard is is somewhere around £10 million, which how is that going to sit in the current dynamic this summer at a time when, you know, our club's going to spend money. Our club's going to spend that kind of money on a player. You'd imagine that if you're going to spend it on anybody, a young man with such potential as Brennan would be the kind of player that clubs would like to invest in. But still, that's a heck of a lot of money. And, and, and I think there's a long way to go before before Brennan Johnson leaves Nottingham Forest. But it is going to be an interesting summer. Yeah, and I guess when they sell him, they have to make sure that they put appropriate add-ons in there as well, because mm. 10 million might turn out to be very cheap um, otherwise. Nick, I guess from Forest's point of view, in order of convincing him to stay or convincing his dad to let him stay if, if that's what needs to happen they could also point to the examples of Oliver Burke and Ben Brereton you know if you go at the wrong time it can actually end up being a bad move for you the positive version of that is Matty Cash who you know who had a brilliant season at championship level got his move to the Premier League and has, has done very well so yeah you, you, they they have examples on both sides of that argument Forrest can sort of Sell themselves as a uh, as a platform. They first have a reputation for producing young players, and then if allowed to, you know, allowing them to uh, develop into the the first team, that Forest have a pretty good case for if if he needs persuading or you know, him and his dad need persuading to stay at Forest for another year or two. They have good examples to show on both sides of it. One last thing I wanted to touch on, Paul, from the article that stood out to me. I don't know if it's usual, but but it. You said that Brennan had been back at Forest for for some training sessions, and and Chris Hutton had had a look at him that way. Is that is that usual practice for for lone players? I don't think it's unusual when they're geographically so close. Obviously, Brennan still lives in West Bridgeford. I think he still lives with his dad, uh, and you know, 
it, it's hardly inconvenient for him to pop across to the Nigel Doughty Academy <laughs> and join in with a few training sessions. Uh, I, I think it's, I actually quite like that when I heard it. I thought that was, you know, quite a wise thing to do. I, I think Chris Hewton gave some very serious thought to whether to recall Brennan in, in January. And I, you could you could put a case for both. It would have been great to see him back and, and potentially playing in a forest shirt because we all want to see that. But equally, would he have got the same level of experience as he's had in the second half of the season with Lincoln where he he could it looks like he's going to play in a team that's got a very good chance of, of winning promotion and what an experience that would be. Playing another 20 games in a potentially promotion winning side in comparison to maybe, I don't know, it's hypothetical, but getting five or six appearances in a forest shirt, where's he going to learn more? And And... I think the decision with the benefit of 2020 hindsight to leave him at Lincoln was probably the right one. What you want to see now is for him to get a chance this summer. But it's good that Chris Hewton's clearly taken a careful look at him. He said he'll make another, he'll, he'll have another look at him in the summer and, and more or less said he, he will get an opportunity next season. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to seeing Brennan and Afrosha. There's something nice about the thought of Brennan Johnson and Alex Mighton playing in that front three uh, behind whoever it might be in the end. But having a, a team that might have Mighton, Worrell, Yates, Jordan Smith and, and, and Brennan Johnson all, all playing in it. It, it, it. There's something nice. It's particularly nice at Forest where there's a tradition of young players coming through the ranks. It'd be great if uh, to see some of them all together again in the, in the Forest first team uh, and not being sold. <laughs> yeah, let's hope that's the case next season. There's loads more detail in Paul's piece. Uh, lots of colour, some great stats too. I particularly enjoyed the bit about his carry and, dri- carry and dribble volume, <laughs> which was um, which was a new one on me. So do go and check that out. Uh, next stop for us today, Stoke at the City Ground. Don't worry, it won't be as painful as last season. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. On Saturday, Forest play their penultimate home game of the campaign at Stoke City visit the City Ground. This was, of course, the last game for the Reds last season when an unfathomable capitulation saw Sabri Lamushi's team lose 4-1 and slip out of the playoff places. Um, Nick, no danger of something so seismic happening this time round. Workshopping the ways in which it could go uh, as badly again. <laughs> I mean, as I know, a massive sinkhole could appear in the, the middle of the centre circle and the, the City Ground could kind of... Um, fall into the Trent. Um, I don't know. The in the in the middle of the game, some kind of uh, UEFA delegation could turn up and confiscate the European Cups. Um, the whole squad can sp- <laughs> spontaneously combust. I don't know. Just just last last se- the end of last season was so kind of bad and traumatic. It just feels responsible to prepare everyone for this kind of thing. 
But no, I mean, <laughs> it's not a, even a kind of double figures defeat um, will not be as, as, as painful as, as last season. It's a, um, a day that still brings shivers and uh, bile rises when you, when you, when you think about it. Um, yeah, <laughs> the day after, the, the day after that, I was, uh, I was very, very sad and, uh, uh, and then threw a cup of tea down my uh, chest as well, which which wasn't um, particularly sensible. So not only was I sad about the state of my football team, I had a massive burn on my torso <laughs> as well. I was um, I was actually doing a Chelsea game while the Forest game was going on, and obviously I was I was checking the score. And there's a bit on the commentary of that match where you just hear me going <laughs> "No!" for no reason at all, which um, made it onto the edit. Which is it's not worth kind of just reiterating that like, like the last for the last two games, I think of last season, the, uh, the the task for Forest was you need one point from these last two games against. At the time, two of the worst teams in, in in the division, and if you can't get that one point, just try not to get gubbed by three goals or four goals or whatever <laughs> it was at home by Stoke, who you know had basically scored about Stoke, Stoke, Stoke who scored about Stoke, scored, not Barcelona, scored about nine yeah. goals uh, for the whole season. <laughs> just it's just worth kind of swelling that round your brain a little bit more to really consider how what a kind of catastrophic. <laughs> Last couple of games, it was. It's gonna, it's gonna live with us all for a, for a little while. That we we all got a very kind of mild form of PTSD from that game. I think. Uh, not to labour the point too much, but just sit, the memory of sitting watching it, thinking it's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen. Oh, it's happening. Oh, it's really happening. <laughs> oh shit. And then just just see Nuno de Costa slide the ball into his own net and just feeling this overwhelming sense of disbelief that the shit show was actually unfolding in front of you as it was it was it was just incredible and then, and then Sabri Lamucci's post-match interview I don't think I've ever seen a manager so stunned and shell-shocked of course it's his responsibility but he literally did not know what to say beyond mumbling the words I'm sorry and then pissing off over into the distance for the summer it was like you know that was it and it's just just seeing the players broken and and, and bewildered on the pitch it, it I, I, I mean, even as a supposed neutral, I never want to see that again. I never want to go through that. You kind of lived in that moment and and felt so bad for these players. But then again, they're culpable for it. And it was just so confusing knowing how to feel. Should you be angry at them? Should you be disappointed for them? Should you just be surprised that it's happened? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still bewildered by it now, if I'm entirely honest. Talking through trauma is, is definitely a good way to deal with it. Um, that said, <laughs> l- let's put that unpleasantness behind us forever. Uh, Nick, who's had the most disappointing season? Forrest or Stoke? Um, well, I mean, I think Forrest, but Stoke as well. I mean, uh, they, they, uh, they've they managed to kind of fool me for every time, every, what, have they been down back in the championship three years now? Maybe, uh, is it three, four years? They've, uh, they've managed to fool me at some point in each of those three seasons where I thought, oh, they look like they've cracked it now. They're going to be all right. And I thought it's kind of, it was around kind of, um, it's kind of an October, November time, I think, this season. When I, I watched them uh, play in a game, I thought they look good. They look solid. They're nothing, you know, Michael O'Neill had got them um, playing some kind of not fabulously flowing football, but solid and it looked like they were kind of you know roughly the sum of their parts rather than um the very much less than the sum of their parts that they've proved to be ultimately so every year i think they've cracked it and every year they kind of just fall away really, really disappointingly they've they've lost they've only won five five games in the last 23 which for 
a club there kind of uh, w- with their sort of talent levels and their size is just silly you would logically think that the, 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 you know you would logically think that they should be up in the playoff places and when they um kind of w- w- they will be sitting down in 13th place or wherever it is they they are at the moment and looking at Barnsley uh, you know that are but unless something calamitous happens in the last few games going to be in the playoffs and even Reading kind of you know they're, 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 again they look like they're going to it looks like they're going to miss out but they're having a much better season than most people expected I think Stoke fans must be just kind of looking at those teams and, and, and being even more bewildered at what a kind of sort of wet fart of a season that they've, they've had <laughs> In terms of the Forest team news uh, for this game Paul Amiobi Sambasau, any any chance of those two coming back? Presumably Freeman's not going to start here. I don't think Sambasau's anywhere close. Uh, Amiobi has an injury that they described as being minor but seems to be lingering. Uh, it would be great to see him back because I just think they miss his kind of dynamism a little bit. They were non-committal about how bad uh, Lyle Taylor's injury was. He, he had one chance, kind of fluffed his lines a little bit and got injured in the process. Uh, which perhaps sums up his his season entirely. I, I don't know what I'd do if I was Chris Hutton. I'd I'd want to shake things up a little bit. But despite having a, a you know as we've said before, a, should we say quite a big squad? He he doesn't actually have too many options when it comes to changing his attacking lineup. Uh, there's not really any under twenty three players that stand out as thinking he really deserves a chance in the first team. So you're kind of left not knowing who to pick out of a beige bunch. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's a tough one for him. He, he needs to find a way of getting a response. Do you do you start with Glenn Murray and give him a go? Or have we given up on him having much of an impact? Do you do you put Lewis Graben, who showed you know pretty good nerves to convert that penalty and give him another chance back in the side now he's had a little bit of a rest? I, I, I honestly don't know what I'd do if I'm honest. I, I think I'd, I'd be tempted if Taylor's fit to do what I said right at the start and just play Taylor on the right and have Graben up front. But these are tough choices. You know, Anthony Knockhart's not done it. What a disappointment he's been as well. There's just so many disappointing factors to this season and not really too many players who've actually pinned down their place in the side and said to him, you've got to pick me every single week. Garner, McKenna, Worrell, Christie, Bryce Samba to some degree... Other than that, there isn't anybody that, that that's done a great deal to say that they should be playing every every single week. It it, it kind of sums up the the frustration and inconsistency of of the entire season. The beige bunch would be an excellent name for the Forest season review DVD if they're doing one um, this time. <laughs> thing. Last time Forest beat Stoke at home, three two win in the League Cup, September twenty eighteen. Somebody called Diogo Goncalves got sent off. For Forest, <laughs> Nick, what was your favourite Diogo Goncalves memory from this oh, time? Oh, well, Diogo! Oh, the god, the times we had. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have no memories of him whatsoever. I, I kind of, I, I don't, I don't think I'd ever heard of him. Apparently, he made he made one start in the league, three in the League Cup, and came off the bench six times between August eighteen. I can, I, I, I think I, yeah. I'm familiar with the name, and every time I see the name written down, I can think. Was was he that really skinny winger who? No, that was Gil Diaz. No, no. That, so I just kind of. No, he he was another skinny winger. To be fair, I oh, was he you were right. right. It was, okay. was just a different skinny winger. Different skinny winger, but Gil Diaz played slightly more games. Slightly right. less skinny, okay. slightly okay. more opportunity. <laughs> still as bad. Uh, they, Forrest actually, they, they thought Gonzalez was going to be when they signed Diaz. Uh, Carvalho and him they, they, Gonçalves was the one they were most excited about they thought he was going to be the man They re- he had a preposterous uh, 
price tag on his head that Forrest could activate this this option to buy him. I think it was something like 30 or 40 million, some, something utterly crazy. But they, he arrived with, with Forrest sort of rubbing their chin, thinking, well, maybe if he if he's a big hit, we might actually pay that to get him. And it, 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 it very obviously never, ever worked out like that. At least he never had a Gil Diaz moment like he had at Norwich. But, but you know, uh, I'm not sure what kind of moment he did have otherwise. He, he, he has actually gone back and done quite well, but, but still... That's that's another story entirely. I think we'll just label him the Portuguese Gianluca Petracchi, <laughs> um, which is a nice way for us to segue into the final section of the show. Yes, it's Did They Really Play for Forest? Nick gives us some clues about an obscure former Red. Paul and I have to try and identify them. Over to you, Nick. I've done something slightly different um, with the quiz this week, which uh, t- doesn't... Uh, it, it, it doesn't technically adhere to the rules that you've just laid out, but let's let, but let's 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 try it and uh, see how we get on with this. Okay, clue number. One. All right. Well, me and you have got beef with quizzes anyway this week. Oh, so okay. Just just watch your all step right. is all. Yeah, sorry. Uh, okay, clue number one. I started out in the academy of Paris Saint Germain. Hmm. Ooh, okay. Mm. Uh... In my mind, there's not a lot of ex-French forest players. Loic can be so. Paul, have you got a guess? It's not Loic can be so. No. I thought. Uh, all right, I'll just guess Thierry Bonnelet. Mm, no, no. Um, this actually, this clue is so obscure that it's completely pointless. But I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> uh, in my debut season in British football, I played against Matt Lockwood. I was desperately searching for some kind of forest connection uh, <laughs> here, and that was the best I could come up with. Uh, oh. Mikel Antoine Courier. <laughs> Can see where you're going with that one, but no. <laughs> Is that even his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Paul? Who was the big, terrible striker that was at Tranmere for ages? And then. Oh, I know who that is. I'll let you try and guess. He was awful. And he, he, yeah, the, he really there was. was a video clip of him scoring an absolutely incredible goal for Tranmere the other day on on YouTube on, on Twitter, yeah. but he never did that. And he made a whole career on that off that one goal. Well, he was a bit yes. of a, the, the guy. The guy you're thinking of, Paul, was it was a bit of a hero at Tranmere, wasn't he? I yeah. think we played there for quite a while and was a was a kind of a. Forest have a bit of a, his, a history of taking kind of beloved players from smaller teams and turning them terrible, like uh, David Frio. Um, yeah. Mm. Plymouth legend, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're, we're, can you think of his I, name, Paul? I, I can't, but I'm guessing from Nick's candour that that I, I'm not on the right track anyway. <laughs> You're not. It, so it's not Eugene Daddy. Yeah, right. Eugene Daddy. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I could picture him. <laughs> I just couldn't think of his name. Who's the daddy? Was quite literally. Mm. Uh, <laughs> or why is the daddy? Yeah. It was, uh... <laughs> okay, clue number three. I have played under current Brighton manager Graham Potter, but not in England or or Wales. Oh God, let's go through his squad of. Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, uh, okay. Uh, I've got a guess. Yeah. Is it Fuad Bashiru? It is Fuad Bashiru. Oh! <laughs> Congratulations, That is man. very clever, Nick. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. were some uh, demon clues. Yeah, I know. That, 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 that I really do apologise for the second one. That is completely pointless. I, 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 t- I try to... Um, you know, go go back through their careers and look for some kind of forest connections that they played with, or you know, scored against, or something like that. And Matt, genuinely, Matt Lockwood was the best I could come up with. Um, the other remaining two clues were: I have played three times for Forest, two of them against Barnsley, 
and uh, I, I represent. That point. Yeah, I represent <laughs> the Comoros national football team. Uh, also, you played against uh, our friend and colleague Nick Sam Parkin when he was at Morton. I mean, you look at his career path. Yeah, it, it is very odd. He spent four. You're saying he started off in the PSG Academy. The natural move from there, obviously, is to Morton yeah. for four seasons. <laughs> then you go to Ostersund, then to Malmo, and then to Forest. Uh, fine, I guess. Yeah. 31 years old. Will we ever see him play for Forest again, do you think, Paul? No. No, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so. I, in, I think I've mentioned this before, but you know, Sabri Lamucci thought he was the signing of last summer. He he was one he was really excited about, and uh, for a variety of reasons, he, he hasn't had the opportunity. But in the rare opportunities he has had, uh, where was it he played? And he was utterly terrible. It, the, Swansea. Yeah, they had a midfield duo of him and Loy Kenby So, and it really did not work. Uh, I, I I feel a bit sorry for him, but you know, this this isn't a natural fit for him at Forest. I don't think. Where, where's he going to end up next? I don't know, but I don't think it'll be on on the centre of the pitch under Chris Hewton next season. Uh, one day we'll make a team out of players that Forrest signed to. They were convinced we're going to be great and then we're absolutely not. We'll put Marco Pascolo in goal, I think. Um, <laughs> Paul, so you got this piece up on Chris Hewton and his touchline demeanour. Have you got anything in mind for the for the Stoke game on Saturday? Anything else in the pipeline for Athletic subscribers to look forward to? Do you know what? It's been a busy week. We we, we Before that, we had a nice piece on, on David McGoldrick, which seems to have gone down quite well. Uh, there was... Uh, and the the piece on Brennan Johnson is obviously worth catching up with if you haven't seen that already and then uh, the piece from last night as well uh, where we go for the Stoke game I'm not entirely sure because you know I thought I'd come up with a great idea for the uh, for covering the game last night and it ended up being quite difficult so I might try and come up with something slightly less contrived for for Saturday's game <laughs> uh, and, and, and see where we end up something more simple like did Forrest play well and uh, hopefully the answer will surprise us <laughs> Just uh, good. Just go for a straight PA style match report. <laughs> yeah. Six yeah. pars, four hundred words. Get it. Get it filed on the whistle. Football post runner. Final score: <laughs> Nottingham Forest nil, Stoke City nil. Um, Nick, you've been writing about my old pal Jose Mourinho. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wrote a, a kind of slight, semi-serious, semi-not so serious um, piece about where Jose Mourinho might go next. Um, uh, I, I, for self-indulgent, re- well, self-indulgently, I briefly considered uh, writing Nottingham Forest because you know, chaos seems to fit. But you know, obviously, that's not going to happen. So that's up for, uh, on the uh, Athletic now. It was uh, in a superb piece of timing that was published. I think at about five or six o'clock on uh, Tuesday evening, uh, <laughs> around the time that football uh, having already exploded once. 48 hours previously exploded again. So I don't think it's quite performed as uh, <laughs> as we expected. Um, the other thing I've got, which I think is coming out tomorrow, which I, th- uh, I believe I mentioned on this podcast before, is a piece about footballers who have suffered multiple uh, cruciate ligament injuries, for which I talk to everyone's favourite and lovely smelling uh, former Forest player, Chris Cowan, <laughs> uh, among a, a number of other people. So... Um, once I we finish with this podcast and I finish writing it, that will be out tomorrow, uh, out on uh, Friday. And Chris said, "No, Nick, the house next door to me is not for sale. Please stop asking." 
for my address. Uh, Jose Mourinho did the forward for yeah. our friend and colleague Danny Taylor's book on, um, I believe, in Miracles, didn't he? And said he, he made a, a surreptitious trip to the city ground once just to, just to see the stadium. Uh, yeah, one of the better things. He's a big Cluffy fan, wasn't he? Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that the feeling would have been that mutual <laughs> had they ever... You'd, you'd like or to maybe go, it would. Maybe you'd like to go to a dinner party with both of them, though, wouldn't you? You'd love to be a guest around the same <laughs> table as those pair having a good old chinwag about football and politics and Certainly society. rather go to a dinner party with him than uh, have to interview him after he's berated a physio on the pitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would probably be more fun than that. Anyway, head to theathletic.com slash forestpod to sign up now if you're not currently a subscriber. Many thanks to Paul and Nick for their company today and to producer AD for his technical wizardry. Uh, what say we do it all again same time next week? See you then. The Athletic. <laughs>